I've been asked to speak this morning, and I, I, I'm not quite there on my slides yet, um, but I'm, I'm hoping three things, that today God would encourage some of you, God would challenge some of you, and some, God would convict some of you. So there's three things, and I notice that there's a variety of people here. Some of you I don't know. Some of you certainly don't know me. I'll tell you a bit about me in a few seconds. Um, but so again, I'm, I'm hoping that I, I've been praying that God will do three things. That God would encourage some of you today. God would challenge some of you today. And God would convict some of you today. And you may actually be in more than one of those groups so just kind of so you know where I'm coming from. So Lord God, I just pray today. Um, you've assembled this group this morning. You've brought them here. You've brought each one of us. We're at various points on our walk with you. Some of us, Lord, have not even started our walk with you. Some of us have been on that walk for a long time. And we pray, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you would encourage, you would challenge, and you would convict today. And God, please bless the words of my mouth. Bless the meditations uh, that you've allowed me to do over the past while. And, uh, and help me. I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I suggested, some of you don't have any idea who I am because you're visiting today. And... Um, I am not Pastor James, so if you are coming to hear Pastor James, life is full of disappointments. <laughs> so, uh, my name is John Galbraith, and um, I am the treasurer of Trinity Church. And, um, but I don't believe that that's why I'm here. I'm not here in that role today. Um, but I can take advantage of this opportunity to say a few words of thanks. I am so grateful that there are people who serve the Lord as tellers each and every week. I am so grateful to the Lord that there are people who take the Lord's money to the bank so that it can be used, and they do that week after week. I'm thankful for our bookkeeper who does the Lord's work for Trinity. And it, without him, folks, I would be lost. And I thank those of you who give. Because the work of the Lord here at Trinity is an important work. And, and I want to remind you that you do not give to Trinity, but rather you give to the Lord. Um, some of what you give is used here at Trinity. Some of it is used locally, and some of it is used in the uttermost part of the, of the world. And we are just so grateful. Thank you. We've been doing a question and answer series for a few weeks now, and I have been given a teller-like question. And the question I was given was, can you outline the difference between tithing and giving? In fact, the author of the question added an adjective generous in front of the word giving. 
So the question that we're going to look at today is, can you outline the difference between tithing and generous giving? There's possibly a reference implied in that new version of the question to um, a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 11, where the Apostle Paul says, and I'm hoping it's behind me, and I refuse to look back there, because that monkey's staring down at me. Um, And I, I think it reads this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency... In all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. Righteousness, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I'd like to make just a couple of notes about what I just read. God loves a cheerful giver and an uncheerful giver and a non-giver. There is no condemnation here today. Remember, Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. But the passage may convict you as you seek to grow in your walk of faith and obedience. The phrase translated all sufficiency in that passage could also be translated all contentment. The part of the passage would then read, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all contentment in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And that whole issue of contentment is a, is, a, is a hard attitude. And we're going to talk about that a bit today. I also want to say one little thing just about that passage. Um, there is a great deal of meat in that passage. There's a lot. And maybe Pastor James or Pastor Tim sometime in the future will spend a bit time just unpacking it. That I don't think is my role today. The topic of tithing and giving is a huge one. It is it like, I could go four hours. I do not want to go four hours. You don't want me to go four hours. You don't want me to walk away from my notes. Because the sermon gets longer every time I do that. <laughs> um, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. Pastor Randy Jolliffe died July 4th, one year ago, before reaching his 59th birthday. 
Randy and I attended the Baptist Leadership Training School, a one-year lay training program, 40 years ago. Our paths intersected over the years, and I want to tell you that Randy was a good and godly man. He was a Christ follower, a pastor, a shepherd, and very practical. As would be the case, over time, pastors preach on various topics. And he preached once on the topic of giving, on the topic of right giving. And he made this statement, which I'm hoping I can frame things from today. God is far more concerned with how you give than with what you give. And I want to repeat that. God is far more concerned with how you give than what you give. It is the attitude of the heart, not the size of the check. The motive of our giving and the manner in which we give are important to God. So I want to share a couple of personal stories before I begin in earnest So I've been going for about six minutes, and I'm going to begin soon. (laughs) Heard that before, haven't you? Um, Near the end of high school, I attended a conference called Urbana. It was actually held in um, Champaign, Illinois, which is just outside Chicago. I did not have a lot of money, but somehow I went. Uh, Near the end of the event, they had a great big gathering in this auditorium that held about 20,000 people, and I was sitting up near the top of the bowl, and they basically started to, oh, and all I had was $5 US. Chicago, Thunder Bay, $5 US. And it was a night, and they were going to take up an offering for missions, I had this strange prompting to give it all. (laughs) Really. Now, you you look at it and say, it's only five bucks, John. But it's the only five dollars I had. But the prompting continued. And I don't know if you've ever been in such an event. The offering buckets, they were buckets like Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets. And they were going up and down the rows. And they were getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, It was... Lord, it's not much. And there's certainly other people who can give. I argued with myself. Sometimes I win those arguments. The offering buckets kept getting closer. The reasons for not giving continued to resound in my mind, but the prompting never stopped. Finally, the bucket was in my row. I reached in my pocket with a clenched fist And I grabbed the $5 and I threw it in the bucket. I never said this, but I probably thought it. Okay, God, are you happy now? But then my prayer kind of went like this. Please come through, God. Please come through. And back in my room, I laid down on my bed And I discovered a $5 bill. I think it was under my pillow, but I'm not totally certain anymore. I have no idea 
where that $5 bill came from. I'd told no one about the offering. That was the worst offering I've ever given to the Lord, but God, for some reason, still blessed. My motive was unclear, and the manner in which I gave was horrible, but God still blessed me. And he's blessed me in so many ways over the years. There were times early in our marriage when I had no idea where the money would come to meet the expenses. And I know there's people here who are like that. I know that. One such occasion on a Sunday, I had been talking to God about this and I'd cried out to him and I said, God, I just don't know where this is going to come from. Well, when I got to church, there was an envelope in my mailbox. God provided in a really big way. And you know what? This has happened more than once. God works through his people who give simply out of gratitude for what he's done for them. I would say that the motive of these generous saints was to give to bless. And the manner in which they gave was commendable. Even though I do not know who, I can assure them, whether they're here or not, that God saw. So, what is a tithe? In the Old Testament, the term tithe shows up many times. In mathematical, simplest terms, a tithe is generally a tenth. That's what it means. Uh, There were occasions in the Old Testament where a tithe meant more. The first mention of a tithe or a tenth is found in Genesis 14, verses 19 and 20. And it reads, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. That's the first mention. Abram had just rescued his lot nephew and in the process was successful in defeating a whole pile of kings. There was a brief encounter with this mysterious priest of the God Most High whose name was Melchizedek. First, Melchizedek blesses Abram and then blesses God for delivering Abram's enemies into his hands. Then... In gratitude and in response to what God had done, Abram offered Melchizedek a tenth of everything. Abram responded in an act of worship for what God had done. And that's the spirit in which the first tithe was given. Um, There's a mention of Cain and Abel's offerings but doesn't talk about the tense there as much, or maybe it's implied, but it's not there. As I read more stories in the Old Testament, the tithe was given to provide for the Levitical priests, who then, in turn, could provide for others. The heart of this giving was to bless. But somehow, over time... Why these tithes were given was lost, and the tithes became unacceptable to God. The people's hearts weren't right. They were still tithing, but their hearts weren't right. Their motive for giving was unclear. 
it had become an empty ritual. In Isaiah chapter 1, we read that God no longer delighted in the offerings. He said in verse 13, don't bring me any more vain offerings. Just straight out. Don't do it anymore. God even said that he'd no longer even hear their prayers. But God, as a loving, compassionate God, even then offered them a remedy. In verses 16 to 19a, we can read, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. That's why I like snow, by the way. Uh, Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There's that heart attitude again. Willing and obedient. God wants our hearts to be right. Well, then there's a passage in Malachi chapter 3. And I think this passage is really misread often. It's Malachi 3 verses 6 to 10. For I, the Lord, do not change. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, O children of Jacob, the children of Jacob are not consumed. From the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings, or contributions, it says here. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. The original reason for the tithing was to provide food, right? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It's a very interesting notion. God wants willing, obedient giving. The people were withholding from God what was God's already. The unchanging God who had kept them alive was asking them to change their hearts. He even challenged them to test his faithfulness, which is an interesting thing. You may be surprised at my next statement. Tithing is taught in the Old Testament, but not the New Testament. However, it is modeled in the New Testament by proper and generous giving. Jesus was constantly confronting the Pharisees. On the outside, they looked great, but on the inside, they were phony. In Matthew 6, verses 1 to 4, 
there's a teaching on giving. Jesus was talking and he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. The Pharisees were doing the right things for the wrong reasons. They prayed publicly several times a day. What's wrong with that? They gave to the poor at least twice a week. Commendable. And who does this? They fasted twice a week. Wow. But they did it for the praise of men. The right things for the wrong reasons. Jesus in this teaching said when you give, not if you give. It does not seem to be something that's optional. Jesus is not saying these things, praying, giving, fasting, are wrong. And he's certainly not saying don't do them. He's not doing that at all. They should not be done in a fulfillment of a religious obligation. They should be done not, sorry, they should not be done to make us look good. Jesus wants our motives to be right. Don't give to be seen by men. In fact, give in such a way as not to be noticed. If you seek the praise of men, that's all you get. The Pharisees trumpeted their giving. In fact, I read an article. Now, I am digressing. It's not in my notes, but it's short. I read an article where they actually, there was a trumpeter. Kind of, doo-doo-doo, as they put in their giving. Wow. And all the people looked, oh, wow, those guys are great. They were seen by men. Don't do your giving out of gratitude for what God has done for, for you. And know that God sees you. When we give properly, we receive a reward from God. And by the way, I'm not teaching a prosperity gospel. We do not give to get. Right? We don't do that. We do not give to gain God's approval. There is nothing you or I can do to make God love us more. Not a stitch. But God blesses our giving. It's, it's kind of, we don't give to get, but God blesses. Like, ooh, interesting, right? He may prosper your business, but he probably does that so that maybe you'll give more and you'll be more thankful and you'll have more gratitude and, and it goes on and on. There are countless stories which tell of that sort of thing happening. There is no promise, I assure you, of good health or an amazing job. There is no promise. Not that I could find. 
Somebody could challenge me on that if you like. God blesses, but his blessings are not triggered by our donations. God blesses us in his grace by providing for us daily. God sees and God rewards. I'm not totally sure about this left hand, right hand thing. You're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, but I think I have an idea of what it means. We may give in secrecy so that others don't see, but we may become inwardly proud that we did such a good thing. And we may even boast a little in our minds that we give more than most. I think it means that we should just give and forget about it. Remember, you're not giving to a good cause. You're giving to God in response to what he's done for you and continues to do for you. So here's the tricky part. So what should a Christian give? Oh boy. All right. Should we tithe? Well, my friend Randy had some good advice. He said 10% was required by the law. Maybe that's a good starting point for those under grace. Again, I'm presenting it as a thought. There are some people who've been blessed abundantly, and out of that gratitude, maybe they give more. 10% is not a cap on giving. We reach that and we stop. It's not intended to be that. But I think perhaps the best teaching is give as it's been given to you. I think that might be the best teaching. I don't know. I'm still on this in my walk, so I'm not, I'm preaching to myself or teaching to myself. If God has blessed you, and I assure you he has, your giving is a response to what he's done. Give to God and let him use it. And remember again, God is far more concerned with how you give than what you give. I found the following two stories as I was preparing. Now, I'm going to take a liberty in this first story. The original story was a penny, but in our time, we don't know what pennies are. But also, I want to have a comparison between the two stories. So I'm going to change the penny to a, a loony, if you'll forgive me. The original story was a penny, just so you know, and it's true. So here's what it said. A little girl loved the Lord and longed to share the message of Christ to those on the mission field. She contributed a penny, so remember, I'm going to switch to a loony, to a missionary to help in the work of evangelizing the people of Burma. The missionary was so touched by the little girl's response that he decided to do the most he could with that loony. After careful thought, he bought a gospel tract and personally gave it to a young chieftain. The chieftain would not admit that he could not read, yet he burned with a desire to know the contents of the leaflet. He traveled 250 miles to find someone who could read it to him. After hearing the gospel message, it was not long after that that the young chief made a profession of faith in Christ. Returning to his people, he told them what the Lord had done for him. Later, he invited missionaries to come. 
and shared Jesus with the village. Many tribesmen accepted the good news and were converted. All this and probably more resulted from one dedicated loony given to the Lord by a little girl who gave from her heart. Is that our attitude toward giving? Or is it more like this? A story is told of a man who came to church with his family. As they were driving home afterwards, he was complaining about everything. He said the music was too loud, the sermon was too long, sorry about that. The announcements were unclear, the building was hot, the people were unfriendly, and on and on and on he went, complaining about virtually everything. Finally, his very observant son said, Dad, you've got to admit it wasn't a bad show for just a dollar. What a heart difference. But there's another story that you're perhaps familiar with. It's found in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And Jesus said, uh, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which made a penny. Not a loony, a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, the poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Jesus saw. The rich gave some of what they had, probably to be seen and heard, Lots of noise and pomp in the presenting of their money, barely noticed by man, the woman gave all she had. Her offering would not have been heard by men, clink, clink, in the offering bucket. But Jesus saw and heard. Our heart attitude is so important. Is gratitude our attitude? Is our giving just something we do, or is it an act of worship? If God has blessed you, Your giving is a response of gratitude. So giving is an act of worship. Maybe something that you already do. And so today, maybe it's an encouragement to you that, you know what, Lord, thank you for giving me the right attitude in my giving. But for for some of you, maybe giving as an act of worship may be new. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which says, Each of you must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Make a thoughtful decision to give. Ask God to help you with this. Notice the heart attitude. There may be somebody here, and I suspect there is. I just can't. I'm not able to make ends meet even now. My challenge is this. Give God priority in this area. Don't be careless in this. Ask him to help you, and he will bless. There are many stories of this. God is faithful. Remember in Malachi, he told you to put him to the test. And you know what? I'm convinced 
there may be somebody like this here today. You've had your belief confirmed this morning that church just wants your money. You know what? Keep your money. God wants you to give yourself to him far more than he wants your money. Maybe God wants you, want, maybe what God wants from you is for you to get on track with him today. Keep your money, but please get right with him. To close, I want to go to the Old Testament because I think this giving theme, it, it's not one way here and another way here. So as I close, I want to go to Exodus 35 and 36. The people were grateful to God for his deliverance. In chapter 35, verse 4, we read, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of, and there's a great big long list that goes on for quite a few verses. The people's response is in verse 21. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work. And basically they were building a tabernacle. Well, move on to chapter 36. Verse 3b, it says, And the people continued to bring freewill offering morning after morning. And in verse 4, the strangest thing happened. The workers stopped working to complain to Moses. The people are bringing more than enough for the work of the Lord, the work the Lord has commanded to be done. In verse 6, Moses had to send out an order. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because, because they had already had, what they already had was more than enough to do the work. Amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing if someday I could stand here as treasurer and say, stop. Wouldn't that be cool? Stop. Don't give anymore. Give to somebody else. Give to God's work somewhere else. It would be amazing. I think. The budget for doing the Lord's work here and in the city and around the world has been met. Stop giving. May God help each of us. May again, some of you be encouraged in what you're already doing. May some of you be challenged. Maybe some of what I'm doing today is new. May some of you be convicted in various areas of your life. So may God help each of us to give to the Lord with right motives and in a right way so that we delight the heart of God. May this be our heart attitude. Remember, God is far more concerned with how you give than what you give. God loves a cheerful giver. Let's be a church of thankful givers. James, do you want to come and pray? Please.
Uh, Father, we just want to thank you so much for this message that we're hearing this morning. And uh, Father, we just, uh, whoever we are, whether it's all three, we're encouraged, we're convicted, uh, challenged. Father, we just pray that you would continue to speak to us in this matter. And uh, Father, we just thank you for the abundance that you do provide us and uh, just the work that we are able to do at Trinity, it's so amazing. <clears throat> the, the work that happens globally through this church on this corner of Waterloo. And so, Father, may you continue to be glorified through all that happens here. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.